Hey guys, TK here. Just a big, big shout out to my brand new sponsor, Bulk Nutrients. Bulk Nutrients I've been using for my supplement needs for about six years' times in terms of quality, price, customer service. They're an Australian company. They are second to none. The products I'm using at the moment is the green superfood powder, which you can pick up for only $25 for 250 grams. The protein matrix, which is only $29 for one kilo. And they've got some fabulous flavors in terms of chocolate, vanilla, salted caramel, this chalk honeycomb, which tastes like a gay time ice cream if you're in Australia. Also this awesome, awesome rocky road that I've been having lately. Apart from that, also get the creatine monohydrate, which is as low as $9 for 250 grams or $19 for one kilogram. So check out the range at www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. That's www.bulknutrients.com.au slash TK. Welcome back to Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Knell, episode 84 of the podcast, and we've got one of the absolute legends of Australian boxing in Paul, the Hurricane Briggs. Just a big apology to a few of the listeners. I know that you're probably expecting our episode with Adrian Morley this week. I did actually record with Adrian this morning. Unfortunately, we had a few technical issues in terms of our recorder, and it actually didn't record his end of the interview. So we'll be doing it again in a couple of weeks' time, but in the meantime, this episode with Paul Briggs was going to be next up anyway, so I want to push that forward because it is an amazing story of you know a, a guy that has turned into an absolute gentleman. He always was a gentleman, but throughout his career, he's just been one of my favorite fighters, and his story is some something that I've always wanted to bring. So highly appreciative of Paul for coming on the show and sharing his stories with everyone. Before we get Paul on the show, just a big shout out to everyone tuning in, whether it's your first time here or or you're a long-time listener. You know, we've been doing it for over a year now. So a big thank you to everyone that subscribed via iTunes and has left me reviews on there. If you haven't yet, please subscribe via iTunes and leave me a review. You can also get it all on Stitcher, Overcast, or you've got an Android or iTunes. Catch it all online at www.talkingwithtk.com. I'm getting more and more guest requests, so continue that. Love to hear from you, so send me an email at tristan at talkingwithtk.com or you can connect with me and hit me up via Twitter or Facebook. I'm at talkingwithtk or my Instagram is Tristan Nell. Just a big shout out to today's sponsor, Bulk Nutrients. They're my go-to supplement supplier. I've been using them for over six years Check out the range at www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. What I highly recommend is their blend of protein. Protein Matrix I'm currently using. It's only $29 for a kilogram. I'm using the chocolate and also the choc honeycomb. And if you do have issues in terms of bloating or you don't really digest your whey protein too easy, definitely give it a try. Protein Matrix, only $29 for one kilogram, or if you do have no issues, whey protein concentrate is $27 for one kilogram, or whey protein isolate, it's $36 for one kilogram. Their range of flavors is amazing, so I highly recommend the guys at Bulk Nutrients, www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. They'll definitely look after you. Love their service. For example, order on a Monday, it will be at your home or your office on a Wednesday. They're highly efficient. They're Aussie, so get behind them, www.bulknutrients.com.au. All right, guys, without further ado, let's get to our episode, and I introduce the hurricane, Paul Briggs. Where are you, Paul? Yeah, really good, Tristan. Mate, thanks so much for doing the interview. First things first, man. I must say, congratulations on the Hall of Fame award. Much, much deserved, buddy. Yeah, thank you. It was really um, uh, unexpected and, and uh, warmly welcomed. And it was an incredible uh, experience. You know, I sat at the same table as Johnny, Johnny Famishon and 
you know, all, all the legends of Australian boxing were there. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was, it was an incredible night. It well, always is. Actually... I've been three times now, and uh, they're always great nights. Yeah, how do you actually find out that you are going to be inducted into the, the Hall of Fame? So you get a you get a phone call um, by one of the uh, the committee president, mm. and um, he basically uh, explains to you that's been voted on, and it's voted uh, by I think fifty gentlemen uh, vote on it, and um, it comes down to them assessing the the year, and assessing who who's been doing what and uh, where boxing's at, and yeah, and yeah, it just goes from there. Yeah, it's a really fitting reward, I think. You know, despite those two wars that you had with Adamac, you know, anyone, any other person you fight that day, you probably become world champion. So is it kind of one of those things that it is the next best thing to actually winning a championship? Um, oh, look, I, I'm not sure if you can quite... Um, sorry about the shaking. I'm not sure if you can quite compare it like that. It's it's more an acknowledgement, I think, mm. um, from the the um, boxing fraternity that that um, you know for for what you've done in the sport. So from from that perspective, it was it was really good. I mean, you know, I all my career, I I I, I never fought for the fans. I was fighting for mm. me, and I fought because I loved the sport you know and um it's the same thing sort of post-boxing i'm i'm not really um i don't do what i do for the accolades or even the uh, you know the the um the outward rewards everything i do um at this point in my night my life is about um an internal reward yeah paul i was going to ask you about your why your why when you were fighting and now your why now as a mentor and coach um I said this in my in the Hall of Fame speech. You know, at four years old, I, I sat at the base of a makeshift ring in Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory, and it was um, there were there were tent fights, and my um, my father was refereeing, and mm. I was I, I think I was yeah I was four, and I was looking up, and I had no idea what I was looking at, but I was just like my breath was taken away, and and um, I just thought, well, I, this is me. This is what I want to do. And I didn't even know what it was, you know. I just knew that it was two men going at it. And yeah. um, in, in the raw, rawest sense. Um, and, you know, ever since that day, this is sort of one in one way or another, it's, it's what I've done, you know, with my life. And I've got to travel the world and I've got to meet some incredible people, um, both in and out of the sport. Um, so, yeah, that's that's... Why do I do it? it I, I think um, it, boxing is something that chooses you. Yeah. Um, and it's something that you're really pulled towards and drawn towards. And, and um, you know, I always sort of said when I was in it, I'm not going to be one of those guys that, you know, post my career that hangs around and, and becomes a trainer and, and all mm. this kind of thing. And yet what I was speaking from there was, uh, you know, a complete lack of wisdom around what um, the, the craft actually is. Mm. And, um, yeah, so uh, in that sense, I'm just going to get out of the car and walk in, sit on my No worries, buddy. Um, you know, from that perspective, it was um, – it's been – boxing has just been an incredible journey for me. Um, it's been one of the most amazing classrooms and um, – you know what I've learned from it, and the people that I've met in it have been um, has been absolutely incredible. So, why do I do it? Um, uh, most of my life has been one of extremes, you know. And where I'm at now, at this point in my life, is about um, bringing everything within my life into balance. And mm. um, this is really what I teach, you know, from a boxing perspective because anyone who knows anything about boxing would understand that the first thing that you have to understand or the first understanding that you have to come to is is around balance. You know, mm. for you to be able to stand and um, and uh, have an experience of, of uh, what it is that you're doing, um, you have to first be able to, you know, be balanced in the way that you stand. So, um, you know, to be able to throw a shot or to be able to move and evade a shot. So, um, 
you know, from that perspective, everything about my life right now is about balance and that's yeah. what I teach and, and um, uh, where I come from within it. But um, why do I do it now? Because it's an aspect um, – there's so much in it for me to be able to master myself around within, you know, from boxing, if yeah. that makes sense. Both yeah, um, from many perspectives, from a philosophic perspective, from a physical perspective and from a psychological perspective as well. Yeah, Paul, to get to this point now where you're actually thinking about this very mentally and I'm sure balance doesn't just extend to balance in the ring, it's balance in everyday life as well. For you to get to this point, was there someone that came into your life that helped guide you in this? A hundred percent. I've had many incredible influences um, throughout my life but none um, like a gentleman that I met about seven years ago. And it was, it was pretty much after the green fight, and it was, it was at one of the lowest points of my life. Yeah. And, um, and this gentleman, um, um, he, was just a, he is just a masterful man, you know. And um, when I met this man, he had real presence. And any man that I've met in my life that had presence, it was usually due to their ability to be a lunatic, you know. And um, yet this man was um, so far from that. And, and what... I've come to understand now uh, within my life is is just um, it, exactly that. It's it's the fact that the more balanced you are, you know, the the easier it is for you to one get to where you want to go and to actually mm. experience what it is that you're experiencing whilst you're getting to where you want to go. Paul, how did you actually decide that? You know, because you were very good at commentary at one point, and then yep. you probably could have done media if you really wanted to. And then to take the route to actually be a coach, because in my line of work, I get to interview some amazing people. And just because you're amazing at a sport doesn't make necessarily make sure that you're going to be an amazing coach. How did you put together that you were going to have the skills to be a great coach? And how do you continue to improve? Um, I think it's my ability to analyze the situation yeah, and um, the, the, the wisdom that I have now. You know, like um, many people live their life and they go through their life not even conscious of, of what's actually going on, you know, until they get to the other end of their life or the back end of their life and they go, ooh, what's happened? How did I get here, you know? Mm. Um, and I, I've done that at, at many stages in my life. And to be, um, I, mean, I turned 43 this year and to be that age and and so content, um considering what, where I've been and, and what I've come from mm. um, and the experiences that I've had, I feel like there's an incredible um, wisdom there that can be passed on. And one of the greatest things that I've learned is that to make your life one of service is, is really living a powerful life. You know, my, mm. most of my early, uh, what a lot of people within boxing would know of Paul Briggs and would have experienced or maybe even seen of, of Paul Briggs was a, um, those who knew me was a, was a complete egomaniac and, and um, mm. I was ruled by many things and um, at this point in my life, I, I, I rule myself now rather than being ruled by anything externally from me. So um, there's so much that I have mastered in my life at, at this point, so that's really what I what I coach from and what I teach from, you know, from a boxing perspective is is you cannot it's like this, you cannot take a man where you have not been, you know. There's so many um, there's so many people out there coaching boxing and yet they've never had a fight. How can mm. I tell somebody how to swim when I haven't even been in the pool? It's ludicrous, you know. And I'm not putting anybody down, it's just I'm just speaking of the reality of, of um combat you know what do you how do you know what it's like in the fifth sixth seventh round when you've never even mm. been seven rounds um how do you know what it's like to to get hit with a body shot and then rocked with a with a head shot and yet still have to um deliver a a, a fight plan unless you've been there how, how can you do that how can you um speak of it how can you guide someone through it um so yeah i just felt like you know if i walk away from this sport Purely because of my ego, because it got a little bit dented in the, in the last fight that I had, which was the greatest fight as far as I'm concerned that I ever had because of how transformative it was for my life. Um, then I'm not, one, doing myself justice. I'm not doing the art justice. 
um, for what it has gifted me. And um, yeah, there's so many people out there that would not benefit and that would actually lose out if um, gentlemen like myself uh, walked away from. And you know what? It's not just in, in boxing, Tristan. It's in no matter what it is. You know, I was speaking to an amazing um, soccer coach um, who's the father of one of the young boys that, that I used to train. And yeah. um, it, this guy, you know, he put, uh, played in Premier League in, in the UK and he's back here now and he came back and he's, he's now um, coaching the, the, the Australian side and, um, um, or assistant coach. And yep. um, we were having this exact uh, same discussion around the journey of the ego, you know, for a man to come back and actually give back rather than, um, you know, go on and let allow everything that lives within him knowledge-wise to actually die with him instead of passing mm. it on. It's just, um, it's a crying shame. And it's a, um, I think it's a lack of understanding of what any particular sport is actually about. Yeah, that Danny Green situation must have been really tough on you both mentally and physically. How long did that actually take for you to get over? And how exactly did you actually move on and build the life that you're doing now? Um, it was one of the biggest mountains I've ever had to climb because for starters, you know, when you, when you take a fight and, I, you know, I've never thrown a, thrown a fight in my life. And um, the, the doctor actually said to me, the, the last examination that we had um, uh, on the, the, day of the, uh, the day before the fight, you know, the weigh-in, he examined me and he just said, mate, you're, you're not right. You've got some major neurological things going on. And I'm a fighter, Tristan. You know, I fought mm. with – any fighter out there would know. You just – when are you ever 100%? You know, yeah. maybe – I had 109 fights, maybe twice. Out of 109 fights, was I 100% or felt 100%? Every other fight, you're battling a cold or you're battling a family drama or you're battling an injury or you're battling a bad prep. or you, There's something that you're, that you're battling through before you even get in the ring. So to be a fighter is all about doing what must be done regardless of how you feel, yeah. you know. And so um, for me to be able to get to those steps that actually led up into the ring, on the night of the fight, and I stood there and I just thought to myself, my my nervous system is that shot. If I and I'm I'm sort of shaking, not from fear or anything like that, just because I was I was shot, you know. And I thought to myself, if I get up halfway up these stairs and fall off, I'm just going to look absolutely ridiculous. Everyone everyone will be like, what is he drunk, you know? Mm. And um, so from that perspective, it was just absolutely ludicrous, you know. And the only thing that drove me to that was my own ego. Because I thought, you know, I, I've always been able to knock someone out with if I land on them. It was a complete delusion, you know. And um, did I let people down? 100%. You know, mm. I, I let the Australian public down. I let myself down. All because of my own ego, thinking that I could get in there. And because of the financial position I was in. Um, and I had a carrot dangled in front of me. So, um, there was so much that, that I learned from that. And... Um, you know, I spent about a year and a half being guided by my mentor and writing about mm. my career. He, you know, he made me write out as much as I could in detail about every fight I had. That's a hell of a lot of fights. Yeah, you know? for sure. And it's hard to remember every fight. It's hard to remember every prep that you have. It's hard to remember um, everything that surrounded each fight that you had, you know, but... It was one of the most powerful um, uh, experiences that I've, you know, I've had uh, within boxing, and I learned so much. There was so much that um, knowledge-wise that actually awoken within me. And it was at that point through that process that I just went, this is me. You know, this is what I've always loved, and this is what I'm always going to do until they lower me. Guys, just a quick break in the episode with Paul Briggs. Just want to give you a quick preview. We've had Tim Zoo on the show recently, and here is a quick little preview from our episode with Tim. Uh, even back then, you know, you were so young, you know, it must have been a thrill to walk the belt into the ring. But did you realize how much of a big deal to the Australian public your father was? Um, see, I never, my dad's like, we always stayed away from, yeah. from the media, from all that stuff. We, we never got to see it. We always saw our dad as, just an ordinary dad mm. um, but he 
we always he always told us, you know, you got to be like everyone, but you got to stand out from everyone at the same time. So guys, if you're a big fight fan, whether it's UFC or boxing, we've had a whole range of guys come on. Boxers such as Monty Beetham, a couple of legends doing their thing right now, Jason and Andrew Maloney, Nathaniel Cheeky May, George Cambosis, as well as Garthy Wood. If you're a UFC fan, the likes of Mark Hunt, Alex Volkanovsky and Rishi Vass all come on the show. So please go out and check out the back catalogue. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show via iTunes or you can catch it all online www.talkingwithtk.com and also a big shout out to our sponsor, Bulk Nutrients. Definitely check out their range. Highly recommend their Green Fusion and also their range of whey protein. Check them out. Best value for money. Also, customer service is first class. www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. Yeah, do you look back at your career now, Paul? You know, you started kickboxing professionally at 15. You were yes. fighting for world championships at 17. And right. then you go through a period of time where, you know, you become a professional boxer as well and you fight for championships. And over those years, you know, you're sparring with the likes of Anthony Mundine and Danny Green. You're probably having wars in the gym. You go, yep. go over to Big Bear with Jack Mosley. You're probably having wars when you're, when you're in training camp there. As a coach now, do you reflect on it now and maybe give some advice to some of your fighters in terms of, A, maybe starting a little bit later or finishing early or not doing as much sparring during training? Without a doubt. I, I'm, one thing I have mastered now is what is required, you know, and being able to actually read a situation with where a fighter is at and mm. also allowing – see, one thing people have to understand, I have no attachment to an outcome. So if I'm training a fighter for a fight for me, there's a, the, there's a saying that I live by, you know, I, I win or I learn, I never lose at all. Yeah. You know, so um, for me, it's about the development of the man more so than winning the fight, you know, because at the end of the day, boxing lasts for so long and then uh, the, the fighter has the whole rest of his life that he's got to go about. And so if I can use boxing to be able to develop men, beautiful. Mm. Paul, what do you say to a gentleman? So, for example, one of your strong charges, you had a world-rated fighter on the weekend, Bilal Dib, who unfortunately mm-hmm. had a majority decision against him. And, you know, he's in the prime of his life, as you were when you had a couple of losses. What do you reflect on from your career from losing from losses that you can use to comfort him and help him to come back even stronger? It's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with Bilal tomorrow. Um, we're catching up and, and we're, we've actually um, parted ways because there's certain, um, or, or amicably and, and um but as far as I'm concerned, there's there's certain things that um, that weren't adhered to leading into that fight, and mm. so um, I'm, I have very strict um, protocols on on what must be done, you know, for a fighter to get to where he needs to go, and if um, you know those protocols are not adhered to, then um, you know we're just not a match. It's as simple yeah. as that. Um, and and like I said. Tristan, you know, everything that I'm about is about developing people. You know, it's, it's not necessarily about winning fights. The boxing aspect of it is is the vehicle, you know, but the, the end result or the motivation is, is to um, develop people, to be yeah. able to become um, functional human beings in the world. How's the – because I know you do a lot of corporate contender up there in, mm-hmm. in Queensland and I'll see some of your testimonials and a lot of the guys look really, really happy after they've actually had the fight. Is that a big thing that you get out of it, the fact that you're able to transform their lives and help them see that, that kind of maybe warrior inside themselves? Yeah, completely. I mean, it's fulfilling. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, I've, I've, I've made lots of money and lost lots of money and met famous people and, you know, been done done all sorts you know and at the end of the mm. day what fulfills you is what matters you know and um i'm f- it, it was funny just yesterday i was standing in the ring and 
due to the fights and all the rest of it within you know the the, the classes that you run you know they fluctuate some yeah. days you've got a full gym and it's packed other days one guy turns up you know and this was one evening um where because it was fight week you know a lot of a lot of the people realized i wasn't i was in and out of the gym and so there was one session where there was only one guy and um i'm in the gym uh in the ring and i i grabbed the pads and we're about to do pads and I was just looking up at the gym and I had the great biggest smile on my face, you know, and it was um, 7 o'clock at night and I'm just thinking, I'm as happy as I could possibly be right now and joyful, you know. Um, joyful is probably more the word because happiness is dependent on outcome, you know, and, and just the, the fact that I'm looking around like this is my gym, you know, I'm in my gym and here's a guy in front of me and I get to do pads with him and I'm going to learn something really really interesting in this one session because Tristan you know I, I try to um, pride myself on the ability to be able to learn from anyone and mm. to become a student of life and um, and the past session that we had was just unbelievable you know and I could have looked at that and and you know framed it in a completely different way and just gone what one person's turned up what I, I, I go to a weigh-in and I'm not here for one night and I come the next day and before that we had full class and now only one guy turns up and, yeah. and create a complete story around it and then yeah, grab the pads and done pads and been so full of myself that I'm not even focused on the man in front of me. Yeah. You know, but instead um I, I just I had the time of my life, you know, and and I learned some really interesting things around um uh combination punching and, and you know, cognitive thinking, you know, how we create the patterns. Mm. This is what boxing is all about. So um a little shift in perspective changes everything, you know. Yeah, do you wish you had this mindset when you were actually fighting? No, because I wouldn't have been fighting. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's one of those things you, you wouldn't have been able to flick the switch and transform. Do you transform when you were fighting at some stage in your camp into a different sort of human being? Yeah, you do. It's interesting. When I was living in Los Angeles, I um, um, there's a production house that made the movie The Notebook, and mm. um, the one of the... Um, co-owners of that was Sylvester Stallone's manager and okay. um, his business partner I was I become quite good friends with and he um, he picked me up one one um, day and he said to me um, he said mate I really want you to consider acting and I said no. I said I don't know how to act I said you're kidding me acting and I just started laughing I said I've never acted in my life he said mate you act every single day you walk into the gym he said, you become someone completely different. I was just like, wow, you got a point. It really awoken me to something that I'd never really truly understood, that every single time I step into the ring, I do. I become a completely different man. Mm. And um, at that point in my life, I didn't even know who I was, you know, to become somebody different, but I knew I was becoming somebody different. Um, you know, so um, Boxing is definitely a vehicle for you to understand who you are in relation to who it is that you're being, you know. Um, to give you an example, you know, when you're having a look at stance, you're a completely different man if you're front foot heavy, yeah, mm. compared to if you're back foot heavy, if you're standing on your stance. And anyone on this call that's, that's watching this right now, just consider if you're standing, if, you, if you're at home, stand up now and just... Stand resting all your weight on your back foot and then change and rest all your weight on your front foot and front see foot. how the mind shifts and changes, you know. It's a, a shift in, in physiology completely changes your thinking. So, um, yeah, I, 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 with regards to – I'm not quite sure, sorry, I've forgotten the question. But, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely – Boxing is something that it's like anything. It's definitely some. Uh, it's an expression, you know, of who you who you are. Mm. But um, um, it's an expression of who you are that that is built. And this is what I love about boxing: that is built in one thing. Because if this one thing doesn't exist, it does not exist. And that's balance. If you have no balance, you cannot stand. If you cannot stand, you cannot fight. And that's what I love about uh, boxing. Yeah, Paul, you go under, just to read from your website, it's the, no, where was it? The Art of Boxing and what's the next bit? The Transformation of Life. That's some really powerful words. 
Yeah. Where were you when that came into your head and that really registered to you as a as a human being? Well, it's funny because uh, uh, my mentor sort of said to me, you know, you, mate, you're a transformer of, of – um, um, you have the ability to, to be able to change people's lives. And I was like, fuck people. <laughs> that, mm. that was literally my, my thinking. I'm not, I'm, I'm not interested in, in other people. I'm interested in me. And, yeah. um, you know, the more that I shifted my thinking from myself and onto other people, um, and how I could actually serve other people, the more fulfilled I became. And I thought, well, this guy's onto something, you know, and um, he, he just kept reiterating to me, a life of service is a powerful life, a life of service is a powerful life. And I was just like, I'm not interested in serving anybody, you know. Um, but the minute I shifted my thinking and shifted my actions and shifted the way that I lived around, um, you know, from serving myself to serving another, everything started to shift and change in my life and I become incredibly fulfilled and I started to become incredibly successful at what I was doing and more and more people were coming to me and wanting to learn and and um, I just thought, wow, there's really something incredible in this for sure. Mm. Hey, Paul, it's actually quite interesting about coaching and like where you find it because I was speaking to a good friend of mine. He's actually watching. He just left a message, Ben Shanahan, and he said to me yesterday when I told him that we we're going to have a chat today, how incredible he thought you were as a coach when he watched you on The Contender. And I actually thought the same thing. And that's a long time ago. But at the time, you were just very calm with the fighters that we saw on camera. And you were very guiding and you could see that you you had a lot of empathy towards what they were going through in terms of cutting weight and just going through the whole process of being a fighter. Did Did you really enjoy it back then as much as you did now? Or is it the whole thing that happened in the middle that really just brought you to where you are now? I don't think I had the maturity or the understanding to really enjoy it back then like I do now. Um, I moved very quickly throughout my life and so I missed a lot. Mm. Um, I moved very slowly now and I actually um, experience every moment of where I'm at, you know, when I'm from when I'm in the gym doing pad work with a, with a fighter or, or, you know, I – or I'm at home focusing on developing the, the training programs that, that I'm going to take, you know, fighters through, which is uh, I, I spend a hell of a lot of time um, at home uh, analysing styles and, and, and developing my fighters in my own mind, you know, around what sort of training um, is going to be um, necessary to be able to get fighters where they need to go. And I train every single fighter completely different. And, and um, so... Yeah, it just, it's a kind of progression that comes with wisdom, you know, it just comes as you get mm. older. Yeah, I, I, like I said before, I was too busy in it, I wasn't present to it uh, around the time I, I was filming Contender, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Mm. Hey, Paul, you know, I rewatched the Adamac fights both number one and number two, and absolutely amazing fights, man. Did you Have you ever re-watched them? Is that something that interests you at all? Yeah, I do because um, I'm a completely different man now. Yeah. You know, so it's like I'm just I'm watching two warriors fight. I'm, I don't feel like I'm even I'm – not, I don't feel like I'm even capable of doing that now. Mm. Um, when you get so deep with someone like Thomas, have you kept in touch with him? Does it change your bond as – people how's how's your relationship now with him yeah i you know what we spoke uh, about um half a year ago we didn't speak but you know just online and well it was online through through somebody so um there this polish gentleman said i'm i'm with thomas now and um and he was uh uh basically expressing to him to me what what thomas was saying and i was expressing back to him uh, my sentiments, and um, and he said, you know, only two men ever put me down. Um, uh, uh, I think it was a heavyweight, blank. wasn't it? I think one of the heavyweights yeah, put him down. Yeah, it was uh, It was Klitschko. Only two men yeah. ever put, sat me on my bum, uh, Klitschko and, and yourself. I still thought, yeah, that's something. But um, what a warrior. What a, what a warrior. And... He's, he was an absolute gentleman as well, you know, like um, 
it, it was funny because over those two fights, I had this one man in my mind for, uh, it was a little over three years, mm. you know, and it's, it's almost like you're in a relationship with someone, you know, so <laughs> after the second fight, you know, we're, we're walking up, up the steps and, um, to onto the stage to do the post-fight um, uh, interviews and press conference and everything. We stood at the steps and he had glasses on. His face was all busted up. And and um, and I looked at him and he looked at me and he said, they're talking about number three. And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, I never want to see you again as long as I live. And I said, mate, my sentiment exactly. So I think... I think the love affair was done right there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Paul, the first one was in Chicago, which also had, what, Andrew Galotta on the card. So that's pro, mm. that's pro Poland. Was it kind of like a Rocky Four where everyone went for him and then as you were showing more and more courage throughout the fight, was the crowd swinging at all? You know what? The Polish people are absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I, I have had, I've still got friends on Facebook now that, that befriended me 10 years ago, you know, and they touch base and they, they check in with what's going on with my life and what's happening now. And um, I remember walking down the street with my team, um, the streets of Chicago, um, I think it was off the, uh, during the, the getting ready for the second one. I think we we're about four days out and um, there was about eight Polish guys that were huge and they spotted me and they were like, whoa, Briggs, Briggs. And they come, they were like almost running down, down the, the street towards me. And my, uh, my security guy stepped in front of me and he goes, he goes, man, it's on and just like take a few steps back. And, um, and I was just like, well, what is this? Is this really going to go down now? Like four days out from, from this world title fight. Mm. And they come run and they started jumping as they got closer to us. So my security guy started to relax a bit. He was like, okay, so they're not really aggressive. And they picked me up in the air and they were kind of half throwing me in the air and they were hugging my team. And, and we, were, <laughs> we were gobsmacked. We didn't quite understand what was going on. And, and um, they absolutely just honor a warrior you know and that's exactly what i felt i received from the polish people so and and like i said ever since then there, there's a few polish people on my facebook page that stay in touch you know and they're really genuine and really beautiful so um my experience of polish people are, are um uh it is a really good one yeah was it kind of a blessing to guys that you didn't win the title though because after two brutal fights yeah. like that you know, you having to defend against the same level of opponent as you did with Adamac, you could have been seriously, seriously hurt. How much did it actually take out of you, those two fights? It, after, like, I, I just put it this way, I was not right, you know, um, for obviously for Danny Green. And mm. um, after that, it took me about three years to come back from physically. And anyone who's close to me would understand um, what I went through um, physically and uh, psychologically. Like, just yeah. it was like being um, in a major, well, put it this way, I, I specialists sort of say to me, mate, it's like you've been in consecutive car accidents yeah. every day for 20 years. They said your nervous system is shot and um, your adrenals and all the rest of it. Um, but I'll tell you this. The reason why I'm glad I didn't become champion is because it would have killed me because I had no foundation within me or within my life. And what I mean by that is I had no understanding of what keeps life going and what, with regards to balance, I mean, if I became, well, I was a cocaine addict and if I mm. become, um, and I'm not talking about everyday use, I'm just talking about I, I use cocaine and yet, if I had have um, become champion, um, who knows, you know, what would have happened because my ego was um, big enough as it was. I, I didn't need a green belt to inflate it anymore. So in saying that, um, you know, I got to the top and dipped my toe in the water and um, had a, a, an entree, yep. you know, of what it's like, you know, to be at the top um, in a sense 
to understand what is necessary and what is needed to be able to take a man there. So I know how to get to the top. As far as remaining at the top, I also know what that's about as well and, and, and what's required for that to, to happen through what I now understand of what I've learned post-boxing. Mm. Because, you know, if a man has no foundation within – think about this. If you're building a house and the house has no foundation, the house isn't going to stand similar as that. Yeah, exactly. And what I, and what I mean by foundation is uh, the understanding of discipline. Um, the only thing that creates a, a, a champion is extreme discipline, is the ability to sacrifice no matter what. You know, when we want that one little thing, no matter what that thing is, it could be a lolly, it could be, um, in my case, it was chocolate, it could be staying up late, it could be pornography, it could be the fact that you can't stay away from your missus or women it could mm. be the fact that you you can't cut out alcohol until you know so close to a fight. Whatever it is, when you have discipline, you have the ability to do what must be done simply because it must be done, regardless of what it is. Because that is what is going to create the the outcome that you're requiring. It's as simple as that. I'm extremely disciplined in my life now. Some people say I'm mm. fanatical. Um, you know, if if I understood what I now understood back when I was fighting, it would have been incredible, you know. Yet, what I now know to be true is that I've, I've gone on the path that I've gone on to become the man that I am now, to be able to guide people and, and, and fighters to where they need. Guys, just another quick break in the episode with Paul. Next week, we'll be back to our footy flavour. We've got a couple of Newcastle Knights legends in a row, Kurt Gidley, and Clint Newton, but stay tuned. We've got the likes of Josh Childress, who played in the NBA, as well as for the Sydney Kings and Adelaide 36ers. A great story that took him from Compton to the world, as well as a couple of Wallabies legends in David Lyons and James Walwell. So just be on the lookout for those episodes. Best way not to miss a thing is to subscribe for free. You can do that via iTunes, or you can catch it all online at www.talkingwithtk.com. All right, guys. Before we get back to the show, just a big shout out again to our major sponsor, Bulk Nutrients. Check out the range at www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. Definitely, I've been using these guys for six years. I love their range of whey protein. Can't get enough of the greens powder as well. Something that I can't really miss on it every day. You can just tell the difference when I don't take it. So definitely try it for yourself, www.bulknutrients.com. Dot com dot au forward slash TK. Well, what was your experience like with Don King? Oh, it was amazing. It's funny, Don, um, a friend requested me on Facebook um, from his Did personal um, Facebook thing uh, last week. How good is and, that? Um, yeah, it was awesome. You know, it, it, he is a hustler. And... Um, you know, I, I had the, the amazing opportunity to sit in his office just with him, him and me, for six hours. We ordered ribs. Um, he loves his ribs. Mm. And just talked about boxing, you know, for six hours whilst uh, my manager and his both his lawyers, he's got offices either side of his office. There's three doors. The middle door is his door, yep. um, which is his office is like the Oval Office. I, I would imagine I've never been in it, but it sort of looks like that from TV. Um, and then his, his, his lawyers are either side of his in uh, the DKP offices in Boca Raton in, in Florida. And um, whilst, whilst they were my manager and his uh, lawyers were putting the deal together, I, I was just hanging with him, like picking his brains and asking him about the rumble in the jungle and asking him about how he built Mike Tyson, asking him all these different things. And, and uh, it was absolutely incredible. And as much as... Um, he's a hustler and I really respect the man because he's been called all sorts over the years. But mm. um, the thing is, he'll say to you, and like he said to me, he said, Paul, I'm going to try and bend you over, mate. Your job <laughs> is not to get bent over. And um, when he gave me the initial contract, I just said, no, nah, I'm not interested. Thanks. I don't want to waste your time or mine. I'll get back on the plane and go back to LA right now. And he said, right, right, right. Let's, let's have another look. And so, um, you know, we talked more and he said, I really like you, Mr. Briggs. Um, if you can fight, um, 
in any way we're, we're going to make some money, you know? So, um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing, um, uh, an amazing experience, uh, meeting him as it was, um, so many other people in boxing. Yeah. Is it one of those situations because of his presence in the sport that, you know, you did just say that you did walk away from the initial one, but eventually when you come back and do sign a contract, does he own you for like maybe three or four fights, win or lose or draw? Don is the is the king, pardon the pun, of bringing fighters back. Yeah. And he says this, you know, he said to me, mate, if, if you lose, don't worry about that. He said, we'll bring you back. He said, I'm, I'm the man of second, third and fourth chances, you know. He said, if, you, if you're a warrior and you put up a great fight, he said, I want, I want you on the card. It's not always about winning. He said, it's about the fight. And um, I really respected that, you know. And that's, he proved mm. that, you know, with, with my fight with, with Thomas. What about, you know, you just mentioned actually living in L.A. That's the time when you were with Jack Mosley and things like that. Yeah. Is there, now that you're, you're obviously coaching back in, a, in Australia and you've had the actual experience both in Australia and America, is there an actual difference between basing yourself in either place? In Australia, in America, in Germany, in the UK, in Japan, hmm. um, I could keep going. Um, but as far as the business is concerned, it's, yeah, 100%. It's like watching a black and white TV and a plasma. You know, so um, purely because, and I've said this many times and people have taken offense to it, Boxing is not a sport. It's a business. And, and, mm. and what I mean by that is not that it's corrupt. It is not corrupt. Mm. It's based, the judging is based on opinion. And I think there's some great judging out there. And I think there's some really bad judging, you know, like anything in life. Um, but for the most part, when you understand the business, then you understand that um, the sport is not corrupt. Yeah. Um, that it is simply a decisions are being made that are based around what is financially viable for many parties, for a promoter, for two boxes, for a TV network, um, for a manager even, you know. Um, there are managers out there that make decisions based on what they want rather than the fighter. Um, so it, it, it's a business. Um, from an amateur perspective, it's definitely a sport, you know, but you've got to understand the sport to then step into and understand the business. And, um, you know, when you understand the business, then um, – and you do good business. And I think there are mm. some great promoters now at the top end, um, uh, you know, in the UK, especially with Barry Hearn Jr. and, and – um, and, and, uh, um, in the US as well, you know, there's, a, there's some um, really good uh, young promoters coming up that are actually thinking about the well-being of the fighter and improving the fighter's life and understanding mm. that if the fighter's life is improved, they get a better fighter because a, a, a happy fighter is a dangerous fighter, you know. Yeah. Hey, Paul, just a perspective I want to throw at you. You know, the UFC is doing quite well and you see a lot of the top fighters. So, for example, Conor McGregor has got three losses on his record. But in boxing, it seems that if you get a loss on your record, that it's, it's something that's the devil or something like that, and it puts a bit of a thing on your career. But at the same time, I think the UFC accepts it because the best guys are always fighting each other. Now, in boxing over the last kind of 18 months, we're seeing, a lot of the, we're seeing a lot better matchups. So do you think that we'll come to a point where we accept that a loss on a boxer's record doesn't mean that they're not one of the top fighters? I think records are ridiculous. They're absolutely ridiculous. You know, you can get a guy who's like 31 and 0, he's fought nobody. You know, mm. he's got a padded record. You get another guy who's had, you know, 23 and 12 and he's an absolute demon. I live from the perspective that you are only as good as your last fight. Yeah. As simple as that. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It only matters who you are today, you know, and, um, from a promotional perspective, yeah, you know, we've got a guy called Floyd Mayweather Jr. who has really mastered the sport in every sense of the word, mastery, because um, I think he's got a lot of work to do to be able to master himself, but whatever, you know, he's, he's learning, he's on his own journey, and, and I think he's, he's really learning to master himself through what he does. Mm. 
And what I mean by, by that is the fact that, um, you know, it worked for him having that O and he made it work. And you can, you can have whatever opinion you want to have on Floyd, but the thing is he fought the best of his era and dominated them. That's what's important. Your record's yeah. not important. It only matters what you're doing today, really. All right, Paul, a couple of personality questions I want to ask you. First one, I've been to a lot of your fights and you used to come out to a lot of techno music. What was behind that one? My son uh, turns 18 at the end of the year and he's a producer. He's, a, he's an EDM producer and he's, uh, he's actually in the studio right now um, okay. as we speak. And, um, you know, he's made music and sold it to um, uh, Google and um, he's made music and sold it to different companies in the US and like he's doing what he's passionate about, which is, um, which is amazing. Um, but uh, the, the influences uh, around that music is, you know, I used to DJ when I was younger. I loved um, electronic music. I love rap, um, real rap, you know, like the, the, um, the, the old school sort of stuff before it all become gangster and Pull your cap back, sort of rubbish. Um, so that's kind of where that 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 stems from. And and for for me, I, my 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 son was going to be one of two things. It was either going to be a uh, a boxer or, or a, um, <laughs> a sort of DJ, I suppose. I, you know what? I was driving to training one day, and I was bringing him with him uh, with me um, when he was a baby, and he was in his his um, baby seat, and I had um, some doof doof in the car playing as I was driving to training, and he was like this. <laughs> with, his, with his hand out his baby chair and uh, I was looking in the rearview mirror I was like what I was just laughing my head off and it was just it's crazy to think that that's actually what he does now yeah does he have a special music name that he goes by uh, he's on SoundCloud as um, Isaiah okay. so um, I I um, I I-Z-A-Y-A he makes some he makes some really beautiful tunes all right, Paul, next one. You've always had that skull on the top of your trunks. Yes. Where's that come from? So there was a Thai boxer um, back in the 90s uh, in Thailand. His name was Rambo. Hmm. And he had the skull and crossbones, and, and uh, his style was just unbelievable. The way this guy was – actually, Jeff Fennick reminds me of him. He, this guy ran a million miles an hour. He would throw a million punches in, and, and kicks and knees in around, and he was just um, a beast, um, little guy, but an absolute beast. And um, he was just a real um, gentleman as well. So um, I was influenced by him with the skull and crossbones through my Muay Thai career, and I really admired his style. And it just kind of it 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 became its own thing, I suppose, with regards to my career. Yeah, just in terms of style, Paul, you know, switching from Muay Thai to boxing. You know, I've, I've interviewed John Wayne Parr before, and he says it's one of the hardest things he's ever done. When yeah. you actually had to do it, like, how long did you think, how long was your transition until you actually felt comfortable in the boxer's stance? About uh, a month. Really? Mm -hmm. I and started what? boxing. I started boxing, you know, from a young boy, and... My father um, promised my mother that his twin sons would not box because my mother was just adamant that we weren't going to box. So, you know, mm. we started learning boxing with him. But, um, you know, when it got to that point, we were like, I want to punch someone in the face. He was like, it's not going to happen, uh, you know. Um, so they went for a trip to Thailand for a holiday. My mother and father. And when yep. they came back, my father just, he, he said to me and my brother, he handed us a videotape. And a VHS video and said, check this out. And we put it on and it had this weird ass music. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, it was drilling my head. But I was just watching these guys just smash one another. And I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. And my mother goes, okay. So, yeah, I've said it many times um, before in interviews and that why you would think getting kicked, kneed, elbowed and then punched is better than getting <laughs> punched in the head. I don't know, go figure. But um, I think it was more, you know, my mother was really um, conscious of the head damage, you know, within, yeah, okay. within boxing. Yeah, after the first Adamac fight, I had a brain hemorrhage. 
so um, which causes me um, well, I won't say issues, but um, it, it's um, it's felt uh, even mm. today. So yeah, yeah. Before we leave, I need to ask you about the Glenn Kelly fight, and mm. you know it was a it was a rivalry, especially something away from the mundane and green, which was continually talked about. It was good to see two other guys actually get a bit of a run for a bit of a rivalry. Did you guys really dislike each other before the fight? Because you look quite... After the fight, you looked like you'd been in a war and you'd settled it. But what was it before the fight? Before any fight, I want to cut their effing head off. You know? And, and that's yeah. just how I am. Um, I want to destroy them completely, tear them to pieces. Um, after the fight, uh, utmost respect. Yeah. There's a gentleman that I fought for the Australian title, um, Adrian Ballon. I have the utmost respect for this man. He put up an absolute incredible effort and just, yeah, it was an absolute war for as long as it lasted, you know, that fight. But um, as far as I was concerned, yeah, I wanted to destroy him. Um, and I did whatever had to be done to push the fight and promote the fight. And um, everything I said was true, you know. And, and then straight after mm. the fight, I give him the most respect because, like I said, after that fight, um, he didn't have to fight me. You know, he fought Roy, being the only blemish on his, on, his, um, on his record, regardless of the effort. You know, And I've got no opinion on anyone's effort in any fight. I don't know how hard it is to get in there. So I... I that's, that's hard enough as it is. I've got nothing to say about Glenn against Roy. I thought he did the best he could with what he had and what he knew. Good on him. Um, for him to then come back and fight some big mouth punk in Australia um, who's, who's actually demolishing everyone, like, mm. what a warrior. He didn't have to do that. He could have retired with the only blemish being um, Roy Jones Jr. And, you know, who cares about the effort um, or the fight? itself in 15 years time you can look at that record and go wow Roy Jones was was a beast and that was the only man the big and Kelly wow you know yeah Paul that one two you hit him with was beautiful and just clean did you see something in those first few rounds that kind of yep. indicated that what was it so um I knew that when Glenn gets confident he drops his left hand his left hand comes down low like much like Roy Jones Jr um, and what I had to do was just sit back and contain myself, much like Marco Antonio Barrera did against Prince Nazim, you know, before mm. he destroyed Nazim, and Nazim never fought again. Um, I really had to hold back and sort of be a player being a counterfighter and get outboxed to let uh, Glenn Kelly's confidence rise. This was our game plan. This is what we trained for for 10 weeks leading up to this fight. And it was so against my nature to fight like that, you know. Um, but I knew after that third round, I came back to the corner, I sat down, and my trainer, Rod Waterhouse, um, he said, um, he said, how's it going out there, son? And I said, um, I said I'm going to knock him out this round. So I'm going to get off the school walk across the ring and knock his ass out. I said, he's, he's overconfident that left hand's dropped. He's not even going to see a right hand hit him on the chin. Not in quite those many words, but I basically said, you know, this um, I stated it, and if you look at the tape clearly, you can see me sort of saying this to to Rod when he asked me, mm. and uh, I got I just walked over and went bang. So um, I'm not saying I had the ability to do that. I had the ability to do that in that fight, <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah. It, it was just it was something that um, you know when you set your mind to something, can you work to a game plan and, and you are disciplined. There was one time in my life I was extremely disciplined because I was motivated yeah. to be disciplined, you know, and look at the result. Yeah. If actually, you know, going into a fight with motivation, I just want to get your opinion now because we're going to have one of the biggest heavyweight fights on the weekend. We've got Anthony Joshua mm. and Joseph Parker, which should be a brilliant fight. And I think people are underestimating Parker from my angle and from mm. the people that I know close to Joseph, what they're saying is that they've never seen him as motivated for a fight ever. And you've been in that position now, so maybe you can give us a great perspective of what it's like to finally have a fight that you're motivated for. I've also stood in front of a man who is physically bigger mm. and um, at, at that level. And Joseph Parker is physically bigger. 
if you put their attributes side by side, then it's much of a of a muchness, you know. Um, I personally think that Anthony Joshua, this will be the biggest test of his of his life. Um, do I think that uh, that Joshua will get beat? I I actually don't. At mm. the end of the day, I think we're going to see one of the best heavyweight title fights that we've seen in a long time. But you know what? I thought Klitschko uh, Joshua was awesome. It was ex- it was an exciting fight. They were both putting each other down. They were coming back. It was it was great. It was like a, a just a ninety thousand there. Yeah. yeah, it was like this, one of the heavyweight title fights you saw in the late eighties or early nineties. You know, when the heavyweight division was so strong, it was so um, deep in in talent. Um, so, look, I, I think at the end of the day, I just think that Joshua is a is a runaway train at the moment. Mm. I don't think there's many people on this planet. And, like, I just watched the, the, the final presser um, before we, we, we started. Yeah, I saw it as well. And um, I think that, you know, they're both undefeated. And when you're working with that mindset, when you're working with an undefeated mindset, that's someone who does not know how to lose yet. You know, so that's what's going to make this so incredible. They've both got knockout power. Anything can happen, you know, mm. and, and I'm more wrong than I'm right with regards to picking fights. So, um, but I just think that Joshua, you know, like he's a decade into it. And I don't mean a decade into his professional career. I mean, he's only a decade into boxing. Yeah. And, and so he's a baby. And look at what he's doing. You know, most guys spend a decade in the amateurs you know, um, before they even turn pro and, and or at least a few years in the amateurs before they turn pro. He went to the heights as an amateur and now he's gone to the heights, you know, as a professional and they're both, both clients have been meteoric and, um, yeah, it, I just don't see anyone stopping, um, uh, Anthony Joshua until mm. Joshua becomes complacent and it's yeah. all just another day at the office much like Mike Tyson you know like it happened to him like it does with every human being eventually yeah. Paul I really want to thank you man for the brilliant interview dude it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and share some stories with you man so thank you so much thanks for having me but it's been before awesome. I let you go let's get some contact details out for you www.paulbriggs.co is your online website Facebook, yep. give him a follow. He's got some great content on there. It's Paul, Paul Hurricane Briggs, or it's the Paul, Paul Briggs, The Art of Boxing, The Transformation of Life. And he's also got his Instagram happening at Paul Briggs The Art of Boxing. Now, Paul, did you want to give a plug for anything else? Because you do, like you did mention today, you both coach professionally and you also do, you know, the blue collar people and corporate contender. Is there anything else that you'd like to plug? Yeah, we've got a contender that's sort of in the works at the moment. The next one that's coming out later in the year. Um, we were planning to start pulling the trigger on it now, but then with the Commonwealth Games, it's funny living on the Gold Coast. You think, wow, how exciting the games are coming, all the rest of it. But now that you're a week out, it's like this is an absolute nightmare. Like everything's <laughs> just shut down. I feel like it's become a police state and it's really hard to move around. And, and there's, um, yeah, there's just like, all of a sudden, I'm in a massive city, not not you know the Gold Coast. So, um, but at the moment, yeah, the gym the gym is just pumping. Uh, we're at uh, Miami, yep. um, uh, 53 Paradise uh, Avenue in Miami, and um, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing. Is just uh, you know we we change people's lives through the art of boxing. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Paul, next time I'm in GC, mate, I'm coming down to hit some pads with you awesome. for sure, my brother. Awesome. All right, All right mate. No worries. Stay in touch, mate, and uh, we'll chat soon. Excellent. Thanks, Tristan. Guys, we hope you enjoyed the episode with Paul Briggs. Definitely get behind him on social media. You'll find all his stuff. His Facebook page is amazing. It's at Paul Hurricane Briggs. It's called Paul Briggs, The Art of Boxing, The Transformation of Life. Definitely get behind that. I know that he's starting his corporate contender, his 10-week boxing program. So definitely hit him up. He trains people in the Gold Coast. Uh, online, www.paulbriggs.co or Instagram is very similar as well. Paul Briggs underscore the art of boxing. So definitely get following and supporting one of our finest boxers in 
Paul Briggs. Guys, I really appreciate you tuning in today. If you haven't yet, please subscribe via iTunes. And if you can, please leave me a review. It really helps me get just seen by more people and I can continue to grow this bigger and bigger. If you can, please tell your family and friends, even if it's just one person that you think would enjoy stories like these. And if you have any guest requests, always happy to hear them. So drop me a line at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. All right, guys, really enjoyed bringing this episode to you. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking With TK. Talking With TK.